like, oh my actual god. Yeah, I know. You no, know, like, but like, oh my actual god, though, Sarah. <laughs> no, like I know. Like, like, should we wait for Chloe or should we get started? Or? No, but like, while we have this time, you guys. Like, is my hair okay? We're on audio, Sasha. No, but, like, I feel like Queen Marion will just, like, know, though, Clay. But, like, seriously, like, your hair always looks amazing and, like, you never have to do anything with it, is the thing? Like, except moisturize it constantly and, like, never, ever dry it with a towel. I don't have any t-shirts left, Katie. Sersh, dude, you can be real with us. Like, do bluebirds come into your bedroom and flap their wings gently over your hair until it's dry every morning like oh you can God. tell us girls what are we talking about like what is wrong with you what Kylie thought that she could take my good ring like well like obviously I had to, to chase her and get it back good you have more than one ring like uh, this isn't Sylvia Russia Katie of course I have more than one ring like oh, I can't I can't, I can't. Jesus Yes, I'm not going to sit here in shitty lighting when we're talking about Queen Marion's new book just because, like, Kylie and Grace want to make a fucking TikTok. I don't bollocking things so. In fairness, like, that, that is an excellent use of bollocking as, like, an emphasis qualifier thing. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, man, credit where credit's due. Like, is no one going to take control of this situation? Like, ugh. Like, I'd be lying if I didn't say that, like, I kind of feel like if we don't start this episode, we'll kind of begin to exist in a reality like where we'll always be reviewing this book and like never move on to anything else. Like, what is it with you and Marion Keys, man? <gasps> Katie! Morphe! I can have a hero if I want, Katie. But only if you start the episode. Hey, I don't have to compromise my values for you or anyone, Debbie. Oh, okay, that's it. I'm playing the credits. No, 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 cleaning. Like, male voices don't have a monopoly on merit, man. Yeah, and alliteration means it's real. <gasps> but a pink cover doesn't make a book vapid. Like when BTS dear boy with love. <laughs> yes, Chloe, it's that and not feminism. That's the reason why we're chocolate for life. Now, but like girls, like... Do you think that, like, Queen Marion will, like, come to Korea with me when, like, she finds out how hard I'm working on learning the language as well? Like, as well as what? Like, as well as wanting to go there as much as she does, Katie, you know, be sound. And, you know, Chloe, in fairness, I don't think she has a choice. Right? Yeah, but, like, like, dude, the language, like, the lessons are so hard. Like, this this whole needing to change the verb into a noun if I'm talking about something happening before something else thing, like, it is deeply disturbing. My mental health is suffering. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you, Katie. Like, yeah, I'd have thought that I'd be glad, you know, that I'd be kipoyo. Even um, da, I'm on that module as well as you. I have caught up girls, but <laughs> like, like I just don't have the energy to pick it by you. Like, I mean, I was genuinely staring into space the other day in the kitchen trying to remember what like the Korean word for souvenir was, like for my imaginary conversation with a shopkeeper in Busan when Queen Marion is going to want to buy like an expensive but charming wind chime. Like, how am I going to help her if I don't know the word for souvenir girls? <laughs> Kinyampum. Well, I mean, I know that now, Katie. <laughs> Jeez, but like, no, but girls, like, plus, like, I need to buy as well, like, as well as, like, learning the language. I'm only need buy, like, five 
yeah, five more cults before I can like even think about going to Korea. Oh my actual god, Kate, you and me are going to fall <laughs> out over this. I swear to Christ. But, but like, this is like the second time you've said this week that you're going to need more quotes to go to Korea. Yes, yes, it is, Clina. And if you had watched a Taiwan class like I asked you to, I would not need to explain this right now. Like, I do not see how a K-drama about a bloke owning a restaurant has anything to do with your quote wardrobe. Oh, Clina. Clena, 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 what are we going to chill? Like, like, are you like auditioning for something now or what's what's going on? Like, it kind of, it, it ruins the mystery if, if you try to push her for an answer on this, um, Sarah, is, is my personal experience. Yes, thank you, Katie. But I mean, obviously, girls, me and Katie and Sarah, we binged like a Taiwan class the last few weeks because, I mean, clearly, Baksa Junioppa is like the absolute hotness he 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 is a very attractive young man well, like yeah obviously but like are we not going to talk about how joey sue is like the best female character ever and uh, now because she was toxic as fuck katie sitting there working herself stupid because she was mad about sayuri opa like uh there was more to it than that and you said his name super super weird there and uh, no there wasn't and that's how his name sounds uh, yeah there was uh no it is uh, guys the wardrobe <gasps> yes yes thank you sarah so like Obviously, I'm not going to give no spoilers, Okay, girls. good, because I am going to watch it, you guys. Yeah, sure you are, sir. <laughs> Obviously. <coughs> I'm not going to give no spoilers. But I have learned in my time watching this magnificent show that if I, or indeed anyone, is to avenge their father's debt by becoming the number one restaurant chain in Korea. I mean, it is a rite of passage. We are all going to have to face one day. Yeah, you graduate, you learn to drive, avenge your father's debt, buy your first house. Like, that. that's the order. Okay, like, I feel truly in my soul right now that you are all not taking me seriously. And that hurts me. It hurts me, girl. Like, why would we be taking you seriously when you're going to say that the secret to succeeding in business is having a wardrobe full of amazing coats? <gasps> How? Dare you, Katie Morphy, like you weren't there, sending me absolute paragraphs on Instagram about how amazing Tony Opa's coats like, were. No one is saying that Tony's coat game was not strong, Chloe. Oh my god, were they amazing, Katie? Uh, dude, I cannot even, like, each more dazzling than the last. Oh, what's the bleeding problem? That was directly into my ear, man. You should consider yourself lucky, Katie Morphy, that we're doing this in person. That could have been into your earphones all of our Zoom, okay? Just think about that. Whoa. Yeah, like my teeth legitimately like hurt there for a sec. Yeah, like like when you bite down on tinfoil. Exactly. Okay, girls, I am now closer on the question of whether I'm only the coat wardrobe when me and Queen Marion definitely go to Seoul because that is happening, okay? We need all the skincare and the Galpy, girls. <laughs> You're so pretty. I know, Katie, like, that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> so, like, yes, I think it's, I think it's clear from whatever that was, that, that we're covering Marion Keyes' new novel, Again, Rachel, today, which is out later this week. All right. Oh, woo. Like, dude, like, can you actually believe that, like, we started this show to talk about Marion Keyes and, like, now she, like, sent us her book? Like, I can't. I, like, I, like, I genuinely can't. Like, it's, um, it's getting emotional. Again. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, isn't it so weird to think about, like, back then, though? Like, 
Like, I know it's only been two years, but, like, so much has changed, man. Remember when we decided to keep the show going because everyone was going into lockdown and we needed something to do so I won't go crazy? Remember that, girl? Oh, that was when we did the Jane Austen series. Oh, Mr. Collins cruising for bitches, please. <gasps> Mr. Collins <laughs> cruising for bitches, seriously. <laughs> I mean, that's what he was doing. That's that's the situation right there. Like, not to mention, like, you and Katie not being able to handle your lives when Fanny Price's name came up. I mean, like, her name is Fanny, Sarah, what did you expect me to do? I'm not made of stone, okay? Fanny. <laughs> like, seriously? Mother, have you not looked at your own dear Fanny yet? <laughs> Are you both finished? Like, like, I don't know, man. Genuinely, like, oh, come on, Sarah. Like, you aren't going to snip this to post into Instagram when we drop this episode. Like, like, I don't think we have enough listeners to drop anything. Like, I think we're more of a gently place the episode online so it doesn't like spill kind of gang. That is true. Like, we never have the lid on tight enough. Okay, like this metaphor is just a little bit too weird I feel oh weirder than you cropping a photo down to just my bicep so you could send it to the group chat you were taking us to the gun show man and we needed to talk about it damn neck veins be popping clay like let's be real right like, now I did not come here to be objectified I, that, that is correct in fairness you came here to fangirl over our queen and saviour did you not exactly right well then let us begin my friend <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you that are unaware um, and if you are we are so excited for you because you are about to embark upon a journey of warmth love and hilarity second only to the first time you watch Arrested Development the whole way through. Like what is it with you and that show here? Oh she's made a huge mistake Chloe. And like obviously yeah. No like it's it's a joke from okay let's continue. <laughs> You're so cute sir. <laughs> but yes yes for those of you that are not aware Marion Keys Yay! is one of the most successful Irish novelists of all time. Though she was brought up in a home where a lot of oral storytelling went on it never occurred to her that she could write. Instead she studied law and accountancy and finally started writing short stories in 1993 out of the blue. Though she had no intention of ever writing a novel it would take too long she sent her short stories to a publisher with a letter saying she'd started work on a novel. That was a lie, people. Um, the publishers replied asking to see the novel and once her panic had subsided, she began to write what subsequently became her first book, Watermelon, published in 1995. To date, the woman who said she'd never write a novel has published 13 of them. Watermelon, Lucy Sullivan is Getting Married, Rachel's Holiday, Last Chance Saloon, Sushi for Beginners, Angels, The Other Side of the Story, Anybody Out There, This Charming Man, The Brightest Star in the Sky, The Mystery of Mercy Close, The Woman Who Stole My Life and The Break. <gasps> Her books have all been bestsellers around the world with a total of over 30 million of her books sold to date in 33 languages. Anybody out there won the British Book Awards Award for Popular Fiction. There were two awards there. That was scary. And the inaugural Melissa Nathan Prize for Comedy Romance. This charming man won the Irish Book Award for Popular Fiction. Marion's latest book, Grown Ups Until Now, <laughs> is publishing in hardback an ebook in February 2020. The, the website needs to be updated. How <gasps> so um, much judgment, the Sarah? Books deal variously with modern ailments, including addiction, depression, domestic violence, the glass ceiling, and serious illness, but always written with compassion, humor, and hope. In 2009, Marion experienced the start of a major depressive episode and had to stop any work. 
Eventually, she found that baking cakes helped her survive. And in 2012, she published Saved by Cake, which combines recipes with autobiography. As well as novels, she has written short stories and articles for various magazines and other publications. She's published three collections of her journalism titled Under the Duvet and Further Under the Duvet, now collected in one volume under the title Under the Duvet, colon, deluxe edition, and denoted, uh, donated, denoted, all royalties from Irish sales to the Simon community, a charity which works with the homeless. In 2016, Marion published a new collection of essays, Making It Up As I Go Along. She was born in Limerick in 1963, but looks like she was born like approximately 25 years ago and brought up in Cavan, Cork, Galway and Dublin. She's spent her 20s in London, but is now living in Dunleary with her husband, Tony. She includes among her hobbies, reading, movies, shoes, handbags and feminism. Oh my god, man! I genuinely just cannot handle how much I love her. Like it's, it is, it is too much to bear. She is actively the best. So much so, in fact. Oh, segue game strong, Sarah. I am taking obscene pride in it these days. <laughs> but yes, Miss Keys is so much the absolute best that back in series one, the very inception of this show was to see if Marion Keys novels could cure heartbreak as was endured by our very own Sersha Flannery. Sersha, your thoughts? Oh my God, like remember how sad I was over poor Aidan? Like, oh my God, like it is crazy to think about that now. But I mean, our experiment was successful, was it not? Oh my God, like I really did feel so much better after Claire gave me Waterman. Like, like, you know, the way disappearing into a book where like the characters are that relatable and well-written, it can like, like remind you that it's not just you and your immediate bullshit. Like there's there's a whole world out there with tons of amazing people to meet and have fun with and love and everything. No. <laughs> no, 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 you guys. Like I wasn't trying to be, you know, like anything. Well, I mean, as your penance, my friend, and also as a celebration of Adon shrinking in the rearview mirror of your life. Oh, poor Adon. <laughs> Would you like to do the honors on our blurb excerpt combo for again, Rachel? Oh my god, really? Oh, God, yes. Ah. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, like, yes. In her 20s, this is the blurb. In her 20s, Rachel Walsh was a mess. Since her spell in rehab, though, she's come a long way on the road to recovery. And now she's ready to go back to where it all began. But this time, the student has become the teacher. She used to hate the staff in charge of treating her addiction. Now she's one of them. Rachel's finally got herself on track, but life never stops being messy. And when an old flame resurfaces, will she go back to who she once was? Or at 50, can she find herself all over again? Rachel's 50? Oh my God. People who are 50 are awesome. That is my takeaway also, my friends. I have some stuff to think about right now. <laughs> so, so, but the thing is, we um, we covered Rachel's holiday and um, like the first time we meet Rachel and like chart her experience with when she first gets recovery. And like now we meet her several years later, several years later, and get to catch up with her and her incredible family, all of whom we like love more than life. Yeah, well, like almost all of them. Well, like, this is the thing. So, no, we need to talk more about that. But shh, 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 shh. I am, but yes, I'm wary of time and I don't want to lose this flannery magic that we've harnessed. So, Serge, <laughs> do you want to keep us going with our reintroduction to one of our very favourite Walshes? Don't you dare ignore my girl Helen like that. It's Rachel's time, Chloe. Don't steal her life. How dare you clean a devil? You just keep saying that same phrase, man. Like, it 
barely means anything anymore. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. okay. <clears throat> <sighs> the touch of his hand lightly circling my belly button woke me. Still half asleep, I enjoyed the feel of his fingers tracing lower. But before we could go any further, I needed to know the time. Ten past seven. His voice was thick. The relief of sleeping through a whole night. I smiled straight into his face. Now you have my full attention. Afterwards, we lay together in a rosy glow. But time was passing. I have to go, sweetie. Already? Have to drop in home, feed Crunchy, pick up a couple of things before work. Ah. There was that meaningful little pause. Okay. We weren't going there. Not now. Have a great chip. He kissed me. I'll call when I can, but it's unpredictable. Don't worry. I slid from the bed. I hope it all goes well. See you Sunday? He held my wrist. I'll miss you. I'll miss you too. In the kitchen, I gulped a quick glass of water. Finley wandered in, scratching his head. Hey, Rachel. Hey, I'm off now. See you Sunday? Nah, I'll be with Mum. Say hi from me. And if you feel like doing an act of kindness, I'm guessing your dad, I pointed a finger to the ceiling, would kill for a coffee. Finley looked doubtful and I had to laugh. Go on, you lazy brash. Okay. I gave him a quick hug, then darted away into the bright spring morning. As soon as I pushed my front door open, Crunchy hurled herself at me in ecstatic welcome. I dropped to my knees, rubbed her ears, and spoke in my special Crunchy voice. Hello, you good girl, hello! Is that you, Rachel? Kate stuck her head over the banister, streels of wet hair tumbling down. A round brush and a hairdryer were in her hands. I dashed up the stairs and into the bathroom. I ran out of contact lenses. I rooted around in the drawer. How's Quinn? She asked. Grand. Off to New Mexico until Sunday. Lucky him. Kate was my niece, the daughter of my eldest sister, Claire. She'd been living with me for the past few months because of the brutal commute from Claire's house in West Dublin to her job in a care home in Wicklow was breaking her. These days, she spent a scant 12 minutes travelling to work instead of the two and a half hour round trip which had become the norm. I was mad about her. She was serious, sweet, she walked crunchy when I couldn't and she was very much not a Walsh family trait, a clean freak. Obviously, that came from her dad's side and while I was no fan of his, only a churl would complain about a housemate who was forever pulling a mop out of the utility room and saying, I'll just give the floor a quick wash. Her real job was acting, but the universe drip-dripped work for her in exquisitely calibrated amounts, keeping her forever on a knife edge of uncertainty. Every time she was on the verge of giving up, she got thrown a small part, just enough to resuscitate her hope. Why are you up? I just remembered she wasn't rostered to work today. Every week she messaged me her schedule so I'd know if I needed to commandeer my neighbours, Benigno and Jaslyn, to walk crunchy. With a burst of hope, I gasped, You have an audition? Today? No, bit of work for Helen. My youngest sister Helen ran a small private detective agency. Recently, she'd been inveigling Kate to help out, especially on the unpleasant jobs, which usually involved lying in a muddy ditch for long spells of time, stealthily taking photos. It was the kind of work Helen herself used to take great pride in, but lately she'd been saying, with increasing frequency, rural surveillance is a young woman's game. Her stated opinion was that, age 23, Kate was the perfect person for such hardship. Twenty-somethings don't get cold, don't get wet and have no sense of smell. Helen insisted that this was a scientific fact. She was a defiantly contrary person with the strongest will I had ever bumped up against. 
Let me guess, I asked Kate. She has you spying on some trickster who runs the smelliest pig farm in County Cavan? <laughs> Nothing so bad. Townie surveillance. An insurance claim. A man who says he can't walk because of his bad back? God, it's 20 past eight. I gave her a quick squeeze and jumped under the shower. No time to blow dry my hair. I just have to let it dry naturally and accept the accompanying wayward misery. To counteract the bad hair, I put on my denim jumpsuit, which made me look like I worked at a car wash. I wore it so often that my colleagues joked that I had no other clothes. But something about the stridey freedom it gave me, especially when paired with trainers, made me feel mildly powerful. Meanwhile, Crunchy was watching, her expression sorrowful. I have to work, I told her woebegone face, but I'll be back this evening. It's a lovely day out there. Run around the back garden and bark at birds. You'll be fine. Despite my little house being only 15 minutes drive from work, I was still late for the morning meeting. I hurried up the steps of the cloisters and through the hallway, almost tripping over Harley Clark, one of my charges, who was hoovering the carpet with furious resentment. A 29-year-old alcoholic with a devotion to her appearance that almost counted as a second addiction, she looked great. Up at 6.30 every morning to do the full works. Intricate contouring, lustrous lashes and long blonde hair air-wrapped into sleek obedience. Like nearly everyone, she'd come to the cloisters convinced that she was fine, but I'd chipped away until her shell of denial had been shattered. Now, she couldn't not see that she was an alcoholic and she was raging. Morning, Harley, I said. With a bile-filled glance, she drove the hoover towards my ankle. You know, she really had the most amazing eyebrows. Microbladed, of course, but very natural looking. Undoubtedly done by an expert and not some chancer who'd learned off YouTube. There were times when I itched for us to discuss beauty stuff. But maybe not now. I skipped away before she maimed me. In the meeting room, five of the seven therapists were at the table, plus three facilitators, Nurse Mose and Ted, our big boss, who glanced at his phone, shook his head and muttered, tut tut. I mouthed, sorry, slid into a chair and twisted my damp hair into a messy bun to get it off my face. Mose was reading her report on the previous night. Busy shift. Trassa Higgins, one of yours, Rachel? Didn't sleep. Came down to the desk at about 3am. We chatted, did a crossword. She went back to bed around 5, but when I looked in at 6, she was still awake. This told me that Trassa would be vulnerable today, which was both good and bad. Bad because vulnerable meant, like vulnerable, not great in a 68-year-old grandmother addicted to gambling, but good in that she might be too exhausted to maintain her shield of denial. She'd been here for well over a week and was proving to be a tough nut to crack. Today might be the day. Simon and Prissy, Moe said to a chorus of sighs around the table. Yep, at it again. Valdemar caught them at his 1am check, behind the sofa in the rec room this time. So... Ted looked at me, then Carrie Jane, who were respectively Simon and Prissy's assigned therapists. What now? Full of regret, I shook my head. Simon has to leave. He's already had one warning. He's not ready for recovery. He doesn't care. I want Prissy to stay. Carrie Jane was just as resolute. But we add sex and love to her list of addictions. All part of the bigger picture. But if Simon leaves and Prissy stays, what message does that send, Yasmin asked. Ted shrugged. Who cares? We make the rules. Ted could be a worry. A competent administrator and a periodically inspiring boss. A gleaming streak of unopposed despot ran through him. Two newbies arriving this morning, Ted said. And with Simon going, we can take another one on tomorrow or Friday. 
Addiction was big business. There was a waiting list always for the cloisters. Next, each therapist gave a roundtable update on their various charges so that we all knew precisely how each single patient was doing. Who was extra vulnerable right now? Who was pushing back hard? Then it was time to leave for group. Ted caught me at the door. Not like you to be late. Ah, I could hardly say my boyfriend is off to Taos for four days and we need some together time. Rachel? Traffic, I said. Sorry, won't happen again. Then I left to hoik Simon out of breakfast and tell him to pack his bags. Chapter two. We wanted to do two because that one was so short. Uh, So, (laughs) when people ask how I met Quinn, because we wanted to talk about Quinn too. When people ask how I met Quinn, then notice my hesitation. They usually say, Tinder. Hey, no shame in that. But it was worse than Tinder. Almost two years ago, in 2016, Quinn and I had met at a meditation retreat. A silent one, held in a big old house in the middle of nowhere. I'd gone because I was a failed meditator. In all my years of trying, despite the hundreds of candle flames I'd stared into, I'd never been able to stop all my thoughts. Fifteen minutes isn't really that long. I just need to empty my mind. Empty, 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 thinking of absolutely nothing. Hey look, I'm actually meditating. Except, if I notice that I'm doing it, does that mean that I'm actually not? God, I never cancelled that appointment with the physio. I'll do that now. Well, not now, now, but as soon as I finish my meditation. And so on. By seven o'clock on that Friday evening in late March, about 30 of us were sitting cross-legged on yoga mats, slyly trying to check each other out without getting caught. We were just this mass of nervous, hopeful people. More women than men, always the way, ranging in age from 20s to 60s. I'd have loved to know everyone's reason for attending, but we were literally forbidden from speaking. Also banned were alcohol, coffee, phones, electronics, books and magazines. Our instructors were a kind and deliciously lithe young woman, yoga, of course, and three well-meaning young men, all a bit lentily. Rough brown clothing, pale faces with sparse, whiskery beards, their hairlines already in retreat. Oh, it's so sad. Over the 48 hours, we did oodles of group meditation, during which I spent a shameful amount of time wondering if all three of the lentil boys were in love with Yoga Girl. They'd have to be, surely. She was lovely. And of course, there was the litheness. When my mind should have been stilling, I was inspecting the unkempt trio and wondering if she had ever slept with any of them. Or indeed all of them. She was absolutely Beautiful, but one thing I've learned never to underestimate is the confidence of the most unremarkable of men. As well as meditating, we did a few yoga classes, ate vegan food at regular intervals, and swilled down as much sage tea as we could stomach. A large part of Saturday afternoon was spent eating a single raisin. About half an hour in, I realized it was maybe the 20th time I'd done such a thing. Every course on mindfulness and meditation wheeled it out to demonstrate how to slow down and live in the moment. I sighed quietly. Maybe it was time to throw in the towel for good on this meditation thing. Early on Sunday evening, just as the end was in sight, one of the lentil boys announced a loving-kindness meditation, an exercise in intimacy where you sat opposite another person, staring into their eyes, thinking kind and loving thoughts for ten long minutes. It was excruciating. Uneven numbers meant I ended up being partnered with one of the most whiskery of the lentil boys, and from the way his pupils flared and dilated, he was clearly given its socks with the loving-kindness thoughts. The only way to cope was to disappear deep inside myself. 
Eventually, someone chimed something chimey, probably a Tibetan prayer bowl. It usually was. And the longest 10 minutes in eternity came to an end. This was our cue to break the gaze and start with someone new. I gave a pained smile and twisted away. Yoga girl called, has everyone swapped partners? I looked at my new person, a man. His face was as expressive as a poker, but there was something going on in his eyes. Almost a smirk. Something to do with the swapping partners comment. Juvenile. And yet, I stared at him. He stared at me. I thought, I feel kindly towards you. I feel lovingly towards you. Holding his unblinking gaze, I decided that he was returning the kind and loving thoughts. Then I actually felt something. Some sort of relief. No one was more surprised than me. Even as I gave a wobbly smile, tears started to spill from my eyes. Heavy drops plopped into my cupped hands and there was none of the awkward paths or fumbling for tissues that usually accompany public crying. We simply sat still and held the gaze. When the bowl chimed, the man tilted his head, asking a silent question. Was I okay? I nodded and smiled, dashed away the surprised tears, then turned to meet my next partner. Maybe an hour later, the weekend came to a close and our last instruction was to remain non-verbal until we were off the property. Upstairs, in the dormitory, as I threw my few possessions in my bag, my heart was lighter than it had been in a long time. The piece of meditation still eluded me. It probably always would, but entirely unexpectedly, I felt absolved. It didn't make sense, but that man, that stranger, had cleared away some of the wreckage of my past. One of the lentil boys returned my electronics, then I stepped out into the chilly afternoon and saw the man standing there pretending to fiddle with his phone. This felt awkward. Something good had happened in that room, and that room was probably where it should stay. After a quick nod, I made for my car, slightly startled by the long, low, cream-coloured murk in the space beside mine. It looked as if it had come direct from a 70s police show, very at home screeching through narrow streets and doing brake turns. It was hard to know if it was beautiful or just flashy. Hey, I heard. I turned. I'm Quinn. Well, he sounded sure of himself. And he'd broken the rules. Then I decided that it didn't matter. I'm Rachel. He walked up to me. Could I... He asked... Could we... I don't know, I said. I'm not looking for, you know, that sort of... I don't think I am either, he said. A lie, as it turned out. But whatever happened in there, it touched me. And it helped you. Even though less than an hour earlier I'd stared into his eyes for ten unbroken minutes, this was the first time I paid attention to the bigger picture. His brown hair was shorn tight and he was taller than me. I was 5'9". This wasn't always a given. On closer examination, his walking boots, his technical-looking top, the way his skin was pulled tight over his cheekbones, were characteristic of those men that did lots of gruelling physical challenges. Men who always had three protein bars on their person and whose physical makeup was 0% body fat, 87% sinew, 13% rage. He didn't look like he belonged here. Can I ask something? I surprised myself by saying. Why did you do this weekend? Because I never feel like I'm done. I waited. I want something, he said. Then I get it. 
then I want a better version of it. Or I don't want it anymore. Oh my God, one of those men. My happiness is always over there, just out of reach. Mr. Upgrade, that's me. I actually laughed. Well, no one can say you didn't warn me. So, he asked, what brought you here? Okay, here we go. I'm in recovery. Meditation is recommended. If he responded with a blank stare, this burgeoning friendship would immediately hit the skids. I'm an addict, I elaborated. Baldly, he said, I know what in recovery means. That was a good start because most people haven't a clue. Then, when they get it, they often run for the hills. I've often said there should be a Tinder for us 12-step types. Have you been clean for long? And that was an excellent question, an informed one. He wanted to know if I was stable or if I was likely to slide and lapse. Years. Okay. Suddenly he no longer looked tightly wound. So can I have your number? Why not? That was what I thought. What harm can it do? He said he'd be in touch, then slid into his 1970s flashy stroke beautiful car and roared away. Oh man, can we just like read the rest of the book on air and not do the show? Like we are legally not permitted to do that. And also technically that would not be a podcast. It would be an audiobook. <gasps> oh my God, girls, could you imagine if we did an audiobook? Like, I don't know that there's a market out there for like three plus hours of an Atai bogger reading a book directly into someone's ear holes. Oh, please. Like, I'm not from a though. She is talking about herself, you pathological narcissist. Oh, my God. Well, excuse me for being obscenely focused on myself. Oh, hi, Katie. Why would we excuse that kind of behavior, Chloe? Like, we are going to take a break right here before we get into the whole when is narcissism acceptable debate. When you have a skincare regime as intensive as mine, I thought that was obvious. Jesus Christ. Okay, we will deal with this. You guys all hang tight for a second I promise we will be back with more chiclet for life we will talk about the book I promise please don't go anywhere what is wrong with you guys this week on Dedoy dailymail.com trash or truth well I mean I don't know that there's anyone that will agree that it's truth really now um but well, like where else am I gonna get my photos of like Channing Tatum's abs and a red circle around Kim Kardashian's unblended nose contour why is there so much in there about the Queen and Meghan Markle? Why do we need to read about people that are getting paid for being rich? I mean, I don't think I could care less about them if I tried. I don't think I like the Daily Mail at all. Is no one going to talk about how Kanye has bipolar disorder and reporting gossip on his actions when he could be well having an episode is... It's gross and cruel. Like, does anyone here ever count the number of times shows off her toned legs shows up in the main page headlines? I made it to 25 one time before I had to cleanse my eyes with fire. I'm pretty sure that last one was a joke, but, uh... I think you can already tell what the verdict is on this one. Still, you gotta tune in. Dedoy. Thursdays. But, like, if we didn't have Daily Mail, like, how would I know how many outfits the Kardashians wore from their car to the door of a building, like, in a week? <laughs>
Is that information you need to have? Or is it more or less important than the cash value of Richard Gere's latest love nest? Same. No, more, more. Kardashian Carter Bar outfits are more important than $10 million love nests. Not by much now. But they're still more important. Okay, well, I am glad we cleared that up. Okay, like, I know you're joking, Sarah, yeah? But, like, there may come a time when you're at home, like, oh my God, what did Kylie Jenner wear when she left the photo shoot she was clearly at yesterday? Oh my God, I need to find this out. My day will be ruined otherwise then. Bam. Dailymail.com. Black spandex play suit. Shows off her tone legs slash postpartum camel toe, depending on the editor that day. Boom. Done. Sorted. Did your voice, like, crack in the middle of that one? I wanted to, like, display the experience of seeing, like, a spandex camel toe through my voice. Katie, is, is, what, is what happened there. You choked on your own saliva, didn't you? I legitimately could have died right there. <laughs> okay, so, like, we need to talk about actual reading and not just scrolling through lists of what Meghan Markle might be thinking and, you know, red circles around non-existent cellulite. Oh, God, yes, please. <laughs> Poor Thersha. <laughs> like, no lie, I could feel my brain cells actively dying. Like, did you guys ever play that game Lemmings where, like, you could blow up the Lemmings if you couldn't get them to the end of a level? Like, what are you talking about? No, like, I was just, like... I was imagining Saoirse's brain cells saying, uh-oh, popping a squat and like exploding one by one. I, I genuinely do not know why I'm friends with you. Yeah, me either, actually. But like, to be fair, that that is a pretty accurate description of what was going on in my brain just there. Katie, thank you. See, Glory, like ancient 1990s platformer games can still apply to our lives. Yeah, but like, can they though? Is the thing. Like, why can't you let me just have one thing? Okay, right? okay, this is over. No, 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 no. I'm going to let Sersha and Kleena talk about plans for the next five minutes as punishment for no, you. Two. What okay, you no, 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 no. I do not want to hear it. You cannot be trusted not to railroad the conversation into some weird slagging match between the two of you. So, no. Now it is time to hear about Sersha's bonsai tree. Sersha. Oh my god, Bonnie San. <laughs> nice. Like, that is an excellent name for a bonsai tree, to be fair. Oh my god, Katie, what side are you Oh, man, please, <laughs> Jesus! No, Astrid, Astrid brought her home for me for Christmas. Like, like the boys are great and everything, but it's like so nice to have her home. Like, she like genuinely gets what like I want and stuff, and like I don't have to unwrap like another soap and glory box set. Sersha Flannery, if your brother wanted to buy me a soap and glory box set obviously by extension expressing his undying love for me i would appreciate it the way it should be appreciated with your fanny i mean that's not the way for me to appreciate gifts from my family and oh my god like how did you both take over the conversation again isn't it so frustrating like you are both sentenced to total silence until we're finished talking about this it's chloe's fault man you know it gets chloe all riled up when you talk about her fanny (laughs) (laughs) it's true it does get you riled up like you talk about it a lot now Sersha, please tell us about the pruning techniques you are using. I promise this is going to have something to do with the book. Sersha. Like, but Sarah, like, we don't have to talk about this. Oh, but we do, Sersha. We really, really do. Because not only do Chloe and Katie need to be punished, and they need to be punished, but also 
You will all remember that our girl Rachel is now as well into gardening as much as you guys, maybe even a little bit more. And I am revealing my segue early in order to preserve my disciplinary tools. This is how much I care about this show. This is how much I care about order. That's terrifying, Sarah. Good. Welcome that fear. That's what I want. That is the correct response. Thank you, Kleena. Now, search. Tell us about Bonnie San in our efforts to access Rachel's tasty green fingered experience. Okay, that sounded like all kinds of wrong. You know, I heard myself saying it and I knew it was weird, but I just continued because why, why would I? Why would I stop once I've started a sentence? Words to live by. Mm. But yeah, um, Bonnie San is a Chinese elm, so she's like all hardy and easy to care for. But um, I did some reading when I got her and I gave her some pruning. So she's got some lovely branches that I have wired now so that they grow in like a certain shape. Oh, wow. So like it makes it look like she's like a super old, windy sort of lovely tree that houses various forests spirits kind of a studio ghibli style precisely okay and um clee according to my notes here you have been alchemizing plants is that correct no that could not be further from the truth if you tried sarah (laughs) (laughs) no like during during the first lockdown um i was going a bit mad at home and i had this notion that like if i had a plant in my room it might help with the old head you know um so i went down there's a garden center um kind of down the other end of the town and like they had this sort of ivy plant it wasn't like the usual ivy that you'd see on like hoses and all it was a bit different bigger leaves Um, but like it was like labelled up like you could fire this plant directly into the sun and it wouldn't die and like it was six euros so I bought it excellent decision so so I I brought him home him? Derek correct exceptional (laughs) but yeah yeah he got on grand in my room and by the summer there uh, it looked like I was going to have to change his name to Louis the 16th what? Because of his luscious cascading leaves, you're also still on the naughty step, young lady. I saw I saw this video online of someone um propagating a plant from a cutting. Oh my god, was it that one on Instagram that's like if you got a little plant then it's doing great. You cut a little piece off and you propagate. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. One, but um but yeah, okay. Um Derek yeah, Derek was like absolutely killing it in his pot so like I took a bit off him and I got it in some water until the bit that I put in like grew its own roots and then I planted that new Derek in his own little pot and well I am very pleased to say that DJ Derek Jr the very same he uh, he just grew his first leaf of his very own from like his own stem with his own chlorophyll like an actual legend like what are you gonna do with these godlike powers man I won't lie Sarah the, the desire to harness my new army of photosynthesizers for evil is um, it's almost overwhelming I see well, a uh, terrifying portrait of times to come. But yes, yes, you can all talk now. Oh my God, <gasps> that was pain. But, oh oh my God, yes. Rachel, our own beloved Rachel Walsh, has taken up gardening. She um, she picked it up when she was staying with her reliable and slightly boring sister, Margaret, after um, some unpleasantness. Oh my God, it's so sad. Crying actual tears at my kitchen table. You see, yeah. Maybe before we get into that, like, the thing is, beautiful listeners... At the beginning of the book, we have a very welcome Walsh family tree. Uh, the, the the five girls have been through so much over the course of their novelistic careers. Like we've got Claire's marriage breaking down in Watermelon. 
Rachel's addiction, recovery in Rachel's holiday, Margaret's midlife crisis in Angels, Anna losing like everything except her amazing job in anybody out there and and Helen's like rough, rough journey through some pretty crippling depression in the mystery of Mercy Close. Like we've got a lot of characters and backstory to keep track of. So a family tree at the outset, it's like super, super helpful. But... It also gave us some super important information straight out of the gate. Are you going to be okay, Katie? Like, it's not that deep, man. Like, I don't want to contradict you or anything, but, like, Katie, you did kind of send where the fuck is Luke Costello Marion in all caps to the group chat when you saw the family tree first. Yeah, and like, Queen Marion not even in our group chat yet, Katie, like, give the plan some time to work, like. <laughs> you were very taken with Luke the first time around, Kay. Well, I mean, he was decidedly sexy in Rachel's Holiday, like the leather pants and whatnot. You are a disgrace, Katie Morphy. Chloe, dude, when BTS did Map of the Soul 1 and Jungkook came out in those leather pants. That's different, Katie. He was actively trying to kill me. I'm still not okay after that. Well, I mean, I would appreciate some more empathy for my struggle here then, man. I mean, you, you know the pain of being confronted with muscular leather-clad man legs that you <laughs> cannot have and do not have access to. <laughs> I do, girls. Well, I mean, I really, I really, really do. <laughs> Oh, the last, wow, the last time we saw Rachel in, um, yeah, The Mystery of Mercy Close, Helen's story, um, she was married to Luke and living in New York. Um, she was this serene addiction therapist in long-term recovery. So, like, now she's back in Ireland, sans Luke, several years later. So, like, obviously there's been changes afoot. Changes that have shaken Katie Veronica Murphy to her very core. I told you my middle name in confidence, man. It is literally on your college ID, like, Katie. Why is there a space for a middle name if they don't need it? Like, why am I the only sock to fill it in, man? <laughs> so, anyway, back to the book. So... So obviously, yeah, when we see Rachel again, like obviously Luke isn't around anymore and, and we don't know why that is. But like the thing is, the reason they're not together anymore isn't clear for like a really long time in the book. So like we're not going to go into it here. The the thing for me anyway that I really loved about the whole talking about what happened without talking about what happened it's it's just that we we know that there was something incredibly painful that happened for Luke and Rachel. Their relationship didn't survive and like Rachel seems to like blame Luke pretty much entirely. At the outset, yeah, yeah. And, and, and like we know when we're reading that we don't have Luke's side of the story. But the thing is, we know Rachel. Like we've been inside her head in Rachel's holiday. She's she's one of us. So we we're instinctively anyway gonna take her side as the right side in it. Like she's right and, and Luke is wrong because he has to be. There there was pain, so so there has to be someone to blame at the root of, root of it. So like does there though? You know, and and does your point of view affect your interpretation? Of what happened. Yeah. And like, for me, it was the fact that Rachel was the one that kind of had like, uh, what happened, for me, it affected her more. Like, like, and then 
it was like her memories were like actively playing tricks on her like for good reason like what she went through was like yeah I haven't I haven't thought about that like it's something I kind of think about when when you hear about it but like I Jesus Christ genuinely genuinely so uh, like it'd make sense that like your psyche would would kind of do that to like look after you like kind of yeah make memories fuzzy or like that you don't have access to them but like but that idea that like reality is sort of in the eye of the beholder like like that was kind of cool like especially since like like it's not like this is a science fiction book you know we, we're not you know looking at the matrix here it's kind of cool that that idea comes across in like a normal story about relationships between people yeah yeah and like the thing is Rachel and Luke have to see each other again you know like otherwise we wouldn't have a story to read but like so so yeah like four or so years after their marriage ends there's a death in Luke's family so like obviously Rachel has to see him because you know Ireland and like they haven't they haven't seen each other since you know the unpleasantness because Rachel had to come home and and Luke stayed in the States so like seeing Luke at the funeral is the first time she's seen him since their marriage broke up and like and like it is so horrible man no like for real man like that full on like trauma response she has when she sees him again is just so real yeah yeah like the sweats and the tunnel vision and all that like that's all just like scarily on point but like but like the fact is as well and we do see this then in in how Rachel kind of works through what seeing Luke is like 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 obviously the fact of seeing him is horrible because like they've got all of that history together and shared trauma and all of that like it's sort of a case of what might have been if if X didn't happen but the fact is she's moved on and is with Quinn no matter how upsetting that is for some of us. I didn't say it was upsetting for me. I had simply assumed that Luke and Rachel were soulmates and would be together forever and I just needed my time to grieve, okay? Like Luke slipping and calling like Rachel babe and stuff when they're talking to each other like did not help me with my closure, you guys. Like it was like an actual gut punch every time it happened. It is genuinely not fair. <laughs> no, but like, like the thing, aside from like the fact that she, yeah, she was mad about Luke, like, but like, the and he was mad about her like but like the thing that really got to me was like how much of Rachel's situation was like powered by shame yeah yeah you said that when you were reading it yeah like Rachel not that she blames herself like she definitely is like really angry at Luke for the way their relationship ended like it's it's this weird concoction she's got going on in her brain like she's sort of angry at him because she sort of knows that she's the sort of person that should be ashamed of herself because she's broken and like Luke should know that as well like her body and brain she would think aren't as good as other people's or aren't good like other people's in the first place and like that's kind of the cause of all her problems and why she has to do so much management on herself and on her life that's that's my thinking on it well like. like she never says that like I know she blames herself <laughs> for <laughs> the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the 
spoilers Jesus Christ Lena please continue okay um, but no no I know what you mean and like I do think that I'm yeah I'm kind of projecting a good bit here but like yeah it did strike me like reading this book and thinking back to Rachel's holiday like she seems to have this really deep down idea that like there is something deeply wrong with her that's right with everyone else and like weirdly that's what meant like back when she was using that like she could take money and time and effort from people without paying it back like she thought they had it to spare and she didn't because they were all okay they were good at life and she wasn't ah fuck that you can't go around treating people like that no right like and and that's that's the work that she did in Rachel's Holiday and like the thing is in this book she doesn't treat other people like that but she does sort of still treat herself like that like how do you mean well like like she has she had a really tough time before her marriage ended because she thought the stuff that happened was kind of because of her own crapness. And like there's additional horribleness that leads to her needing to go home again, leading her to feel like, yeah, there's just this deep internal shitness that's like surfacing periodically like like Rachel is crap and that comes up in a neon sign over her head for like the whole world to see over and over again. But like... But like it's not like she's gone around in like a huge depression or no. No, no, and I'm not saying that. Like she's actually like crazy mature about everything. Like Quinn is obviously really threatened by Luke when he's back in Ireland and Rachel has to see him and she's like so clear with Quinn about how she is about it and how she sees Luke now and like that she understands the relationship is over and it's just so like scary and jarring to like have that time skip thing happen where you're back in a different situation with the person in front of you because you haven't seen them since that situation yeah yeah it was so wild to see someone not being super rational and trying to work out a really crazy dilemma like like the fact that Rachel could just ring up gorgeous Nola her sponsor and and talk through like the best way for her to handle the situation with the funeral like just like two grown-ass adults was like absolute goals I think I need a sponsor. Clina, do you have a sponsor in Alna? Jesus Jeez. fucking Christ, <sighs> Chloe. What part of Anonymous don't you understand, man? No, 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 no. It's okay. Like, you don't have to tell her anything, man. I know. And I'm not going to. Oh. Okay, then. Carry on. <laughs> but, like, no, like... With Al-Anon, anyway, the Alanon family groups, it's... The, the idea is that you find a sponsor and work the steps when you feel like you're ready to. Al-Anon is like super gentle because it's, yeah, it's for supporting friends and family of addicts, but like there's less, so yeah, there's less kind of urgency kind of compared to AA or NA where like people could be managing times when they're super like susceptible to relapse and stuff. Okay. Like, I don't really get it, but, like, I believe you. Well, like, 12-step programs work. That's kind of the long and short of it. So, like, like, do you think your dad will do AA? Chloe! I genuinely can't. I can't no, with this girl. No, like, Chloe, that isn't okay, all right? Like, my dad does his thing. If he wants to stop drinking, that it... Well, you know, that'd be a load off my mind. But, but, but as it is, um... I only have responsibility for myself and I'll make sure that I'm in the best position I can be in to stay well. Okay? Okay. Okay. 
A person's recovery is their own business. It's it's anonymous for a reason. Yeah. 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 Like like the stuff Rachel talks about in the book though, like like what she's gotten out of being in recovery is like like super inspiring. Example. Well, like the higher power thing. Like clearly I am a proud atheist. Going by your Twitter bio, that is an undeniable fact. <laughs> but like like yeah, the whole thing of like people dealing with like addiction or like compulsions and stuff, life being unmanageable and all that, like yeah, you can't force your way out of the situation with just your own human brain because like your human brain is like totally compromised by the situation. You kind of have to not do what you would do. You have to do what someone or something better or bigger than you would do. And like, it seems like Rachel, when she starts thinking like that and not listening to her like front of mind voice, she can hear this other option like way back in the back that has like way better ideas and like is looking out for her and stuff. And that was like, I don't know, it was just really cool. Yeah, like it feels kind of like Buddhist, kind of like not imposing your thoughts on something or like what you want out of it or like what you're going to do to get what you want and saying to yourself okay there's there's a thing bigger than me that's going to control tons of this situation and I can't change that like it thinking that way kind of removes your expectations and like so much Buddhist literature and thinking is about like expectations being the thing that causes most of your suffering, like wanting to hold on to things that are changing, that are out of your control. If you just accept what's around you, the suffering lessens like significantly. Okay, like was I supposed to be picking up on all this bleeding wisdom? Like all I want to talk about is Mammy Walsh reposing in her coffin and Claire's shoulder pads. You are legitimately the worst person I have ever met. And it is why you love me as much as you do, Katie Morphe. Like that is the only conclusion I can come to. Like you are toxic and I am going under right now. Oh my god, girls, what's going to happen with Brittany and Jamie Lynn? There is no time, Chloe, you can talk about Mammy Walsh or Britney, not both. <laughs> Sarah O'Neill, how dare you face me with a choice between two divas of equal power and global reach? <laughs> but I mean, obviously, I'm gonna choose my main squeeze, Mammy Walsh. Come on now. <laughs> like, I mean, are you saying that because she would be horrified at being like referred to like that? Why, yes, yes, I am. Sasha, thank you for noticing. <laughs> but no, 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 no. For real, girls, like, is girls tell them to go easy on the rouge when I'm reposing in my coffin? Not the actual best line of modern literature you have ever read. I mean, come on. That's just straight facts right there. Like, I legitimately want it on my tombstone. Yeah, like, I'm not okay with neck tattoos, but I would gladly display that at every job interview from now until I'm dead. I swear, I just, I love this group so much. I can't. I can't with you guys. No, no, Sarah, like, actual flashbacks reading the book to me nanny Nolan's 70th birthday like trying to figure out which of her sisters was going to be the most pissed off at how nice her birthday was vintage nanny no like I am 
actually feeling terror creeping over me thinking about your nana right no, now. No, that's just you being scared of the nebulizer. That just freaks normals like you out, okay, Kate. Don't worry. Like, let's be real. It means that you're friends with a cyborg. Well, friends with someone whose granny is a cyborg. Huh. You know, I guess it does. No, like, don't tell her that, though. Like, she asks you, you tell her she's a vision, yeah? That's what she says when she means she thinks she's a riot. Like, even though, like, that colour lipstick makes her properly look like a gone-off Cornell. How does the person... Like, no, actually, never mind. See, she doesn't get her colour done on time, Sasha, and it's brown lipstick, and with the whole moustache situation oh she got going no, on. Oh, mind, Chloe. <laughs> Well, well, no, no, girls. So, yeah, between organising Mammy Walsh's, yeah, 80th birthday party to end all birthday parties, like, bringing up how she wants her funeral to be better than anything else that's ever happened in the world today and giving out about how no one would, like, know if she was dead at the bottom of the stairs, even though all the girls are around with her all the time. Like, I'm pretty sure Queen Marion just followed Nanny round for, like, a few weeks and like transcribed her movements minus like the daily Moore Street visit like directly into the book. Your nanny still goes down to Moore Street to get her shopping. Every day Sarah. Red apples six for three euro. I played to her. Oh, she is truly terrifying Sarah. Do not mess with her. Yeah. I do not take that warning lightly my friend. <laughs> but yes since we're talking about the unsinkable Mammy Walsh maybe we could check in on the other girls while we're here. Like were you guys not able to figure out if Claire was a hero or the actual worst person on the planet or was that just me? Oh my god yes and like the flirty situation with their sexy neighbours. Like like I feel like Claire is this person that like flirts with guys because they're interested and it's to and yeah it's like really into her appearance because like she wants to feel like powerful kind of like does she feel like she missed out on being young and sexy and having that power over people that were interested in her and like now really, really wants to hold on to it? Yeah, yeah, I get that vibe. Like she says things like, yeah, she's always wanted to do X thing or she's really into X new treatment. But like, who cares? Like she's mad about Adam. He's mad about her. Her life is super lovely. She's able to drink and take prescription drugs that could be habit forming because she doesn't have a problem with addiction. But she seems to be... I don't know, like, yeah, trying to make up time or hold on to time that's past or something. Also, I mean, are we going to talk about the fact that she was on testosterone supplements? Because that was insane. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. This is actually a thing. I was like, no, Claire, you're not serious. But I looked into it and it actually does make sense. Like, particularly if someone's, yeah, approaching menopause or going through menopause and using replacement therapy. So, like... Yeah, healthy younger women produce like a decent amount of testosterone, like 100 to 400 migs like per day, which is like three to four times the amount of estrogen that we produce. And like I got too excited there and I couldn't talk. So like, yeah, testosterone, it contributes to like libido, orgasm, all that stuff. But like it increases dopamine levels. That's how it works on libido. Um, So like there must be implications for mental well-being too. But like the thing is, Testosterone also maintains like normal metabolic function, like muscle and bone strength, like cognitive function. And like, of course, those like levels are going to decrease when your ovaries are no longer working because that's where it comes from, or at least the precursors and all that stuff. So like, it makes so much sense. Like testosterone is used in doping to like increase muscle mass for like 
athletes and stuff and that's why people test for it but like if you're not producing the amount of testosterone you usually do as it's you know offset by estrogen which you would be producing pre-menopause you know all blah 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 um but yeah if you're not producing that testosterone like you're gonna end up with things like muscle and ligament damage or like bone issues later in life girls this is not the issue there is one central issue with clear and i am horrified girls that no one is talking about it right now Claire Claire Walsh do not like pork belly which means she do not like samgyeopsal how dare she how dare she girls reject my JK Opa's favourite food okay this is unacceptable girls <laughs> crazy oh my god the food of the why does he always have to come back to Jungkook? Why? Why? What is wrong with you? It's the love of my life, Katie. I guess it does make sense. Oh my god, we don't need to talk about that anymore. But like with Kate, like so, Kate, she's so responsible. Like I guess that's how you'd yeah assert your independence from yeah a mom like Claire. Yeah, she she does seem more grown up than she needs to be, but like thinking back. When we saw her, Kate in Mystery and Marcy Cloth, she was she was terrifying as a thirteen year old. But like, if she was being terrifying and rebellious that early, yeah, it kind of makes sense that she's way past that and relying on herself now. Like, yes, she has a loving family and they love her loads, and like, but she has to handle the fact that yeah, her biological dad doesn't want to see her and like abandoned her so early in life and stuff. <gasps> yes. Do you think the gay drama Kate is watching is the Taiwan class? Like, I saw the Yopa first. Like, she can't have him. Like, how, how are you this shit at reading the room, man? What? Kate's watching a K drama when we see her and Rachel's like, it might have been a Taiwan class. It might have been Miss Sang. Like, maybe they were doing the internal audit. Like, there's so many options, Kate. Yeah, and Cleaner was talking about a parent abandoning their child. Yeah, and I'm oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You guys, I'm I'm right here. Yeah, and like I mean, I just wanted to like bring Chloe's attention to like to the fact that my mother left my father when I was eleven. Okay, okay, I'm I'm feeling that I'm being inappropriate right now. That is correct, yeah. The Walshes though. Yes, yes. Yes, it was amazing to, like, see everybody again. Oh, my God, Margaret. Like, remember how excited she was about her dress having pockets? That was genuinely so cute. And, like, they were all so mean to her, despite her being, like, so lovely. I'm not here for this attitude about my girl Helen, yeah? Because, girls, okay, I knew what was up with Helen, yeah, from the second something was, like, not being told us like also Bella Devlin would also be my best friend because K.E. is basically a 13 year old posh girl and like asking Rachel to go for like evening food because going for dinner is shovelless material I can't I cannot with her girls she is my life it's me J.K. Opa and Helen Walsh owning a restaurant in a town where Katie can come and visit us and clean sugar Opa's studio or whatever how else you gonna meet him so he can fall in love with you, Kate. I have taught this true on your behalf. Like, you will be married to his actual bandmate, Chloe. You could just introduce us at your fucking wedding, man. 
<laughs> what like what was really cool <laughs> was like seeing Rachel now and like seeing her like able to handle the horrible stuff coming her way with like Luke coming back like going to meetings letting it go understanding like what she was feeling like like the fact that she suffers super often with insomnia and can't take anything for it yeah like I genuinely didn't think that sleeping tablets were habit forming but like I guess if it got to the stage that you can't sleep or function without them then of course they're habit forming. Well, like, I mean, Ella shows up at the cloisters and is addicted to sleeping pills. Yeah, yeah. It was very weird to have someone that kind of nicey-nice in the role of an addict. Like, like, is it that weird? Because Elsie was extremely triggered by, you know, Ella's presence and could have very easily become addicted to sleeping tablets herself back in the day when her endless fear wouldn't leave her alone. Like, yeah, probably. But like, <laughs> she's just someone that needs a lot of therapy. Like, she's probably being a baby and needs to get over it. Whoa, man, being a bit hard on uh, our creator and, and, and voice performer there. What? Sometimes people have insomnia because of their constant obsessive thinking and they just need to get past it. That's what Elsie needs to do. I'm telling her that with love. Yeah, but like for most people, Elsie included, like if you need a sleeping tablet, you can just take it. If you want to have a feed of wine or a whole tub of ice cream just because the humour takes you, like you can and it's not dangerous or anything. Like, like the idea that certain people can't have those things because they'll keep taking them until they die. That's like... Yeah, that just seems so unfair. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. And like, and and yeah, it is something that I 100% hadn't thought about. Yeah, like not not being able to take a sleeping tablet, not being able to have a drink, not being able to, to take medicine that the doctor wants to give you. Yeah, Rachel's work at the Cloisters was, was really cool for that. And it was like such a smart writing choice to like remind us about what it's like to be in recovery without doing like a ton of flashbacks to Rachel's holiday or anything but like on top of that just like just seeing her with her patients and like how she is with them it's just really class like like take Harley like like do you think being that dedicated to InstaFace is an issue? Also, like, InstaFace of that magnitude is so over. Like, it doesn't really say that she's doing full-on 2015 InstaFace. You can tell, Saoirse. Okay, so, like, aside from the searing judgment it there. It is 2022, Sarah. We are not about that face full of concealer no more. Okay, this is a new world order that we are living in right now. And that meant a concealer... Does not have a part. Okay, that is for a therapist to untangle for you, man. And this is not the forum for it. The, um, the, the group in the cloisters, though, was like super varied. Like it was very, very cool to come across like all of those characters and not like judge them. Does that sound weird? No, no, I know exactly what you mean. And like, and that's my experience from being in groups like like you're there thinking, oh, this person's this type of person. That's that type of person. And like all of that judgment that you're thinking that's all bullshit like everyone there is going through a version of the same thing and like that comes out the more of the meetings you go to like we're all the same underneath like that comparison thing it's just so stupid and unhelpful yeah like like at the start I found Trasa really hard to like understand or identify with like like a mother and a grandmother as like an active gambling addict like it turns out like I have all of these preconceptions that I didn't know about like that were 
yeah, what a gambling addict has to look like and act like. Like, it's got to be this, like, gross, unwashed man sitting in a bookies and, like, going in and out of the pub between races. Yeah, or, like, up all night on, like, an online polka thing or, like, crying at some football match they've got just, like, crazy accumulator on. Yeah, and then, like, finding out her backstory. Oh, my God, yes. Like, I was holding this poor woman to this standard when like clearly she was doing her best to deal with her own issues and like for whatever reason gambling seemed like a way to do that like like a misguided way but oh my god still yeah it's like it's super complicated but all the characters were like super complicated like Chalky was really interesting yeah like he was really like real it was just like yeah again like someone had just followed my cousin Fix around Fix well Jared uh, of course Chloe, dude, explain. Well, like, okay. So, like, it's stupid. Like, okay, so he started out in school with, like, chipsticks being his, like, name. On account of eating delicious salt and vinegary chipsticks on the reg. Every lunch break for three years, Katie, precisely. So, so yeah, he's chipsticks all through primary school. Then he graduates to shit sticks in first year. Um, then fuck sticks in fifth year. But that got problematic, if I'm remembering correctly, when the lads will be out trying to scour and they'd be asking each other when fuck sticks were going to get there. Yeah, yeah, I'd call that a red flag on a night out. Exactly. So, yeah, they shortened it to fix. And, uh, yeah, the rest is history. As in, like, that's still his nickname and, and nothing else has happened. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just, just wanted to clarify there. <laughs> it was really sweet, though, that everyone was, like, low-key in love with Chalky, though. Yeah, we're like, you able to keep yourself from sliding off your chair, Katie Morphy, when he started all that quoting Noam Chomsky stuff. Like, I feel like... There's a problematic side to Noam Chomsky, though. Jesus Christ. Why won't you let yourself be happy, Kate? No, like, like he's got kids, yeah, and, like, has done for, like, a, a long time because they're all super old now and stuff. But, like, he's he's always been writing and touring and giving talks and stuff and, like, has been for, like, decades. So, like, who is looking after his kids then? Like, is it the same as, like, Einstein pretty much employing his cousin to be, like, a wife-made person? Um, well, I mean, I'm on Wikipedia right now, and it says that his first wife was a linguist and education specialist who, like, taught at Harvard from 1972 until 1997. So, like, no? Oh, I hate that, Katie. <laughs> Whatever. Like, I just feel like there's something off about him, yeah? Here, you just want to feel superior, you loser. Chucky gets that me man Noam talks a lot of sense and I mean Chucky uses heroin like Noam talks sense all the time to all the people Katie just accept it uh, Chucky abuses heroin Chloe is, is there a correct way to use heroin? okay like I'm just not going to say anything else man Katie okay, no you the fictional heroin addict loves Chomsky I'm wrong no, but like the, the thing is like that is something that I found super interesting and wanted to look into more. What, Katie being wrong all the time? No, no. Like, what, what struck me reading, like, yeah, Chalky and Bronte are both heroin users, but the deaths we heard about, aside from Chalky's mom, um, and the ones that really struck me, like, they were as a result of alcohol. Like, like I kind of think we kind of completely forget about alcohol poisoning and that it's 
actually deadly. When I was reading about Harley's friend full on dying from alcohol poisoning, I was like, like, well, that obviously doesn't happen very often, but like... It kind of does. Fuck off. No, seriously. Like, according to the HRB National Drugs Library, there were 376 deaths in 2017 related to poisoning, yeah? And a third of those were related to alcohol. So, like, over 100 people in 2017, that's the latest, like, set of data, died from poisoning that involved alcohol. And the number of people discharged from hospital whose condition was, like, wholly attributable to alcohol rose by 82% between 1995 and 2013 from like 9,400 to 17,000 and like a lot of these were men like it was 72% men 28% women and they said too that between 2001 and 2010 of the like pretty much 25,000 cases of breast cancer 3,000 so like 12% were attributable to alcohol and like there were 6,600 women who died of breast cancer in that time and 10% of those 695 people those cases were attributable to alcohol you looked into drugs of abuse as well didn't you Oh, um, so for for heroin, um, yeah, a 2014 study estimated like 19,000 pretty much people were using heroin, um, which is like a rate of six people per thousand of the population. Um, the data for deaths for 2017 showed 77 people dying from heroin po- poisoning, but like methadone was involved in 95 poisonings. So yeah significantly more than 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 um for just heroin um both cases though heroin and methadone did involve other drugs um mainly benzodiazepines um and people who were injecting at the time of the incident i think that's kind of what you think of when you think of a heroin death that someone passed out in an alley with like a needle in their arm um yeah, people who were injecting at the time of the incident that led to their death represented 4% of, of all deaths in in 2017. Um, there were about kind of 5,000, so 4,600 cases of non-fatal overdose um, were discharged from Irish hospitals in 2018. Um, opiates were used in 15% of cases, so 688 Um, So then for cocaine, um, a total of 2,600 poisoning cases were treated for cocaine use in 2020. That's like an increase, major, major, major increase from 853 cases in 2014. So, I mean, that is... That is crazy. That's what, a four time? That that's that's an increase of yeah, a factor of three? Three? Anyway, um, the number of new cases treated has risen from eleven point three percent in twenty fourteen to thirty-five point eight percent in twenty twenty. And like deaths where cocaine was implicated so like i i don't know that we have that many that are just cocaine but where cocaine is involved they have increased by 153 percent since 2010 um oh here's the cocaine information so cocaine just just cocaine solo cocaine poisoning deaths increased from 42 deaths in 2016 to 53 in 2017 but cocaine and cannabis were the most common drugs used by those who died as a result of hanging. So it's also got this implication in suicide. It's just, it's crazy. Um, 
So, yeah, according to the hospital inpatient inquiry scheme, there were, like we said, 4,600 cases of non-fatal overdose discharged from Irish hospitals in 2018. Cocaine was present in 4.9% of cases, so 233. Um, MDMA, so pills, the and that's kind of, that's what I remember from school, being shown people, you know, just going crazy and throwing themselves off a building or a bridge or something when they take a pill, um, the drugs awareness stuff. Um, but MDMA poisoning um, eight people in 2016. That increased, that close to doubled. Um, that, that went to 14 in 2017. Um, so in, in 2020, then MDMA continues, you know, to account for, for a, a small proportion of all treated cases. Um, so 31 cases in treatment um, for addiction report MDMA as their main problem drug. So that's 0.3% of all cases in treatment. Um, most cases have it down as an additional problem drug. Um, then we've got Z drugs, so sleeping tablets like Zoplicone. Um Main problem drug decreased um, from 1.6% in 2014 to 0.7 in 2020. So they've begun to feature more prominently as additional problem drugs as well. So cocktails with with other drugs. So, yeah, 247 um, in 2020 as an additional problem drug. Benzodiazepines, Xanax, Valium. Main problem drug for over a thousand cases. So 11% of cases in 2020 compared to 9.6% of cases in 2014. So 392 of those 10% were new cases. So yeah, benzodiazepines were the third most common additional drug reported among cases with polydrug use. So yeah, poisonings where we've got more than one drug in the system. Um, yeah, benzodiazepines continue to be the most common prescribable drug implicated in, in poisoning deaths. So Xanax, Alprazolam, um, poisoning deaths have risen by 34% between 2016 and 2017 from 47 to 63 According to the hospital inpatient inquiry scheme, as we said already, uh, 4,600 cases of non-fatal overdose discharged in 2018. Um, benzodiazepine use in 20% of cases, so like 900 over 900. Um, so for balance with this, I wanted to look into some more numbers. So, so like we were saying just earlier, so the total number of poisoning deaths in 2017 were 376 and there were 4,600 or, 4, or so um, non-fatal overdoses that presented to Irish hospitals. In 2017, the road fatalities were 155 people and serious injuries were about 1,400. So the numbers of fatal poisonings were more than twice the road deaths in the same period and non-fatal poisonings were more than three times higher. And considering that about a third of the poisoning deaths were attributable to alcohol, I mean, it's just, it's kind of mind-blowing. Fuck. Like, genuinely. Like, why is everything so dangerous, mate? It'd make you not want to go outside again, wouldn't it? But, like, the thing is, the flip side of that is that it's, like, so inspiring that so many people worldwide, like, get recovery and do all that work to get well and, like, stay well. Yeah, and, like, between all the class people in the group, like, Chalky, Roxy, Bronte, all so sound and so cool and, like... 
Yeah, like it's really gross to think of how easy it is to think of people with histories of addiction or active addiction as like just an addict. Like, because Rachel is a hero, man. That denim jumpsuit is actual goals. I cannot with her. (gasps) Oh, or when her boots are too tight, I know her pain all too well. What? Really? Childhood horse riding does lead to abnormally muscular adult calves, Chloe, yeah. Oh my god, Saoirse, that's so sad. I know. You guys, you guys, you know I hate to break up a pity party. That is a filthy lie and you know it is, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. you do delight in the unpleasant but necessary information a bit more than one would expect, Sarah. Is this time check joy I'm hearing in your voice? Okay, I am honestly feeling so attacked right now, but yes, we have been talking for what feels like several thousand years and people listening have other things to do with their lives. But, but we didn't get to talk about how Mommy Walsh has a fruit bowl full of medicine and my nanny Nolan has a biscuit tin full of medicine and they're basically the same thing, Sarah. Or, or we didn't, Sarah, we didn't get to talk about the best dress in the world, TM, and like how I need it in my life, though. Katie wants to talk about wearing a dress, Sarah, and you're standing in the way of that. Like, are we allowed to talk about how the book ends, like, at all? Like, I don't think so, man. Like, I don't think we can do that without, like really reducing how good it is like like maybe just like mentioning the fact that yeah obviously Rachel has to find some sort of peace she has to get through this situation um and it involves the most beautiful cherry blossom tree in the entire actual world like like nicer cherry blossoms than Elsie's tattoo well like yes because it's fictional but also no because Elsie's tattoo is possibly her favourite thing about herself oh. it's very nice girls <gasps> oh my god oh it's so, it's so sad we're at the end I have a note here ice cream dates versus escape room dates discuss oh girls why can't we just have like a three hour show just like once it won't ki- no it probably will kill Elsie actually she's she's just holding on right now listeners <laughs> But, but yes, in order to manage the unexpected levels of disappointment I'm hearing, um, let's do something we haven't done in a while um, and give folks some Easter eggs to look out for. Oh, oh, like the two Russian women wearing headscarves there. Precisely. Or the spray in crazy colours from Deals in Carmine. Like, I was so sure no one would take that because it was so specific. Oh, um, the mint Jaffa cakes, I suppose. Okay, well, then I need the adorable halloumi. Ew. So squeaky, man. <laughs> um, well, then I want um, the sea, but like inside. Aww, that's oh, that's sweet. Yeah. That's not a thing, Katie. So, so, so um, you guys, yeah, I think we have to end it here. Um, so, yeah, that's it. So, you guys all listening need to buy uh, again, Rachel, as soon as possible because, no, seriously, it really, um, it was a really super immersive um, experience and yeah we were we were really really um, happy to to get it early um, we will be back next month with the next installment and final installment in our People What We Love Loads series um, our last book is going to be our girl Elaine Feeney's As You Were um, Elsie actually um, met Elaine a couple of times uh, a few years back when uh, yeah when they used to do the performance poetry thing and um, Elaine was always so so awesome um, we yeah, we're really excited to to get the chance to take a look at one of her books. But um, but yeah. In the meantime, um, if you can please, please, please like and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Um, that way you'll hear about the next episodes. 
And also, uh, you'll help other people hear about us. And that would be, like, too awesome of you. Um, plus, you know, like, Elsie does this, like, totally solo and doesn't get paid for it. Um, such is the extent of her love of books and talking about them. Don't worry, she has a job. It's fine. Um, but, yeah, if you were on for, like, leaving a review, it would super help the show and be, like, so sound of you because then other people that might like to listen to our ridiculousness might get to listen to it. Um, yeah, you can also find us on Instagram at, at lifechicklet 4 on Twitter at at chiclet for life one and on tiktok at at chiclet for life um yeah if you want to follow you can find videos more discussion and sometimes an insight into our nonsensical group chat um we'll see you guys as soon as we can get through this beauty of a book and in the meantime stay safe stay hydrated mask up where appropriate and remember to have some fun please it's it's been a long winter getting out and having some some joy would be good for all of us um we We'll see you guys later. Um, Peace. That was embarrassing, Sarah. I'm embarrassed for you right now. You are not the only one, my friend. (laughs) Sarah. (laughs) All right, lads. It's Bussy here at two tours one time. So, air bike repair service, to which we remain committed, has been developing air app to make it easier for you to, you know, access them bike repair services for which we've become dedicated anyway as you have likely heard we were made aware via a pretty fucking aggressive twitter campaign that air app software uses like a lot of energy or something which means that according to twitter me and Jono and Dean are like burning down the rainforest or something so like yeah, we uh, we don't have an app no more. But um, like we really want to fix the other bikes, solely. Will you will you come on down to two tours one chain? Like we really we really want to fix your bikes. Like we have free tour checks. Like tour checks, right? <laughs>